With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good afternoon. This is Tiffany Topsick with the Executive Girlfriends Group. Today is Friday, January 29th, and our guest today is Eleanor Stutz, the author of Nice Girls Do Get the Sale. I'm going to have this um, recording on, and with that, I'd like to introduce Eleanor. Um, Eleanor, if you'd just take a few minutes like the other ladies have and share with us uh, your background. Thank you very much, Tiffany. I began sales after starting uh, after being a stay-at-home mom for 15 years, and the only job I could get was to sell an unknown brand to copier door-to-door. You can imagine the fun that I had. And then I gradually made it up to high-tech, but that was so unethical. I quit on the spot when I found out what my company was up to and said never again. And uh, shortly thereafter, I became an entrepreneur, uh, started up Smooth Sale LLC, which offers training, coaching, a product line, speaking at events, and I'm having more fun than ever. And I enjoy helping people grow their business. It's a great joy to help those coming up behind me and being able to offer uh, the experiences that I that I endured and uh, the good lessons that came from it so that they can succeed more quickly. And I'm having, I'm just having more fun than ever. Oh, that's a fascinating story. As I, I look through your book, it seems you really have an amazing way of communicating the simple, basic techniques on what is a very scary topic of sales to many people. Um, but it's clear that you've been made successful in your natural relationship-building skills and the ability to close the deals with that. Um, tell us a little bit about uh, the philosophy of the nice girl. Well, first of all, it's not to be pushed around. You have to be able to stand in your place and come from a place of confidence. But in that very first job, I learned what relationship selling was all about since the men were doing everything to force me out and the manager told all the men not to talk to me and I had never sold before. The only thing I could do when I was invited in for an appointment was to make friends with people because I had no clue what I was supposed to ask or say. And so if I'd see pictures in their office, I'd ask about those pictures, their family, their pets, how they got the job they had because I certainly wanted a better job and just started to get to know them. Finally, you know, after a couple of visits, they'd say, if you'd only bring in some brochures, we'll buy from you because you're so different from everyone else. So there you had it. I differentiated myself, you know, in marketing terms, and I was they actually asked permission to buy from me, which was really a treat. And uh, my daughter appropriately named my business Smooth Sale because that's exactly what happened. People would ask to purchase from me just because I knew how to take an active interest in them. And what were you selling at the time? It was an unknown brand to copier, and it included fax machines and shredders. 
And uh, being that it was an unknown brand, the safe thing to do was to purchase Xerox. So it was kind of an uphill battle. But being that I was so different and I really cared about my clients, in fact, let me tell you a short story. Um, Early into that first job, the men decided that they were going to send out a three-page letter in great detail of all the technical capabilities that the copier had to offer. And I said, no one's going to read that. And the manager said, well, the men voted on it, and that's the way it's going to be. Address 100 envelopes, send them out, and we'll see what happens. So I said, okay. Well, as it turned out, Everyone brought their flyers, their letters, and envelopes into the office to uh, get ready for mailing during the selling hours, and I did it at home. So the manager was a little upset with me because it was supposed to be a team effort, and I said, well, you told me that selling hours were for selling, so I'm going in the field while your men are stuffing envelopes. Well, two weeks went by, and six men got zero phone calls, and I got seven phone calls. So the manager said, okay, Eleanor, come clean. What did you do? And I said, all right, I I told you I did not believe that that three-letter, three-page letter was going to do anything. So I went to the card shop and bought a postcard with a picture of the beach and a woman sitting under an umbrella tanning herself. And on the back I wrote, when you're having fun on vacation, you can leave your worries to me because I will take care of any any equipment that uh, may, may present a challenge, and you can be stress-free. Words to that effect. Well, because I was thinking about them, I got into their head what they would be concerned about, and they knew they could count on me. They didn't care what the copier could do. They were more interested that it would be up and running, and if a problem occurred, somebody would take care of it. And so I, by the fourth month, I was top rep. Wow, that is a great story. And it really ties into the sales personality. Do you have what it takes in terms of being a relationship-building person? Are there any other skills that you feel are um, important to really having that success in sales? Yes, it's um, when challenges present themselves, rather than getting emotional, stand back and try to figure out what the challenge is, where it's coming from, and possible solutions to overcome it. And also with that is don't let anybody force you out of something that you really, really want to do because uh, you have to do what makes you happy. And you just need to put blinders on, ignore the negativity around you, and keep moving forward. And I understand that entrepreneurs have a tough time staying in business. And my philosophy is if you quit, you never know what was just around the corner. You need to keep on going, keep analyzing where you are, where you're headed, and always have a plan in place on how to get there. That is so true, and that allows you to persevere against all the odds, doesn't it? It certainly does, which was another title of my chapter. And, yeah, you need to keep going. And you need to prove yourself and stand in your place. I'm not always a nice girl. For instance, when I first wrote a book, I'll tell you how that came about. It was, like you said, so many people are afraid of selling. And so when I became an entrepreneur 
and met people and told them I was a sales trainer. The men started laughing again, thought I couldn't possibly know enough. And the women, they became sprinters. They couldn't get to the exit door quickly enough. And so I started reading marketing materials, and they all said, write a book. And I had nothing better to do with my time, so I did, and I self-published first. And somebody I know in our social network said to me in a really mean voice, the book was out only two weeks. He said, well, if your book were any good, a publisher would have picked it up. So I have a three-step process when that happens. You smile and agree because it's the quickest way to get rid of them. And meanwhile, I was thinking in my mind, you can eat my dust. It never occurred to me I wouldn't get a publisher. I just knew I would. And the uh, odds of an unknown author get, getting a publisher were very tiny. But I persevered, and I did not panic until after I sent the manuscript to the publisher. And then I thought, oh, my goodness, what are they going to think of everything that I wrote in that book, all the stories and everything I endured? But it turned out to be a good thing because then it made Time Magazine and it's selling worldwide. So like wow. I said, just keep on going. Have faith in yourself. That, I think that's the biggest piece of the puzzle, no matter what endeavor you're in, is to have faith in yourself that you know you can figure out the challenge and, uh, per, and pursue your dreams. Well, I'm really intrigued to hear more about your thoughts behind Chapters 5 and 6, the two vital keys to success and pointing your day towards success. Um, it's clear that you're very focused on results and uh being successful in whatever your endeavor is. What are your suggestions in this area? Well, as far as point your day for success, this is something that somebody shared with me on my second job, and that is she shared with me that for a full-time salesperson, the average salesperson will achieve 50 points per day, and I never viewed myself as being average. I was all, always had the competitive desire to be on top. So I decided I would do 60 to 70 points a day, and this is how the point system works. And you need to uh, keep track of what you're doing every day. Just you know, make little tick marks, with the, the four lines with the fifth going across it. When you're making phone calls, doing email, if you're on social media, have appointments, whatever the case may be. And you add these up. So the way the point system works is a first appointment, an introductory, and a last appointment where you get the sale is worth 10 points each. An intermediary appointment where you advance the sales cycle is worth 5 points. A live phone call is 1 point. Email is half a point because that takes less time. And when you're on social media and something's going to thousands of people, maybe a tenth of a point, I, I don't even know how to calculate that one. I'll have to give that some more thought. But that's certainly worth the points as well. And then if you go networking in person and it's, uh, you know, produces results where people ask you to call them back, I would give yourself 10 points for that because that takes a lot of time. On a conference call like this where, where you're learning and meeting other people, I would say if it's well spent, give yourself five points on that. So if you total up your activity for the day, if you have anywhere between 60 and 70 points, you are doing everything possible to keep yourself going. 
And I have sold many different types of things, products, services, combination of the two, low-tech, high-tech, to entrepreneurs, to Fortune 100. And when you keep this point list and, you know, actively pursue it every day, you will achieve the results that you're looking for. The other part of this is how to set goals. Would you want me to go into that, Tiffany? Absolutely. I'm fascinated by the point system because it really allows you to um, track your progress and see perhaps if Mondays are or are not more productive to you and where your strengths are during any course of a week. That's right. And then uh, when you have your highest energy, of course, that's the best time to be on appointments or on the telephone. And when you're kind of feeling lackluster, maybe that's the time to be emailing or on social media. So and what are your suggestions if, about setting – oh, sorry, go ahead. No, that's all right. What's your question? I was just going to ask and transition into your point about setting goals. How does that tie into the point system? Well, I think very nicely because it's also very efficient and you always know where you are. It begins, in my opinion, with your vision, where you want to be in the long term, how you see uh, what everybody will be saying about you and your business. I think it's good to always keep that in mind. Next, your mission, in my opinion, again, a mission is how you help people. I view sales as helping others. In fact, a couple times when I've run across in my career against uh, rude people, I I write a note and say, I'm sorry, I withdraw my offer of help because I do not believe we're a good fit. So it's coming from the place in your heart of helping others. It's not selling to people. The sale is just a byproduct. Um, and then here's where we get into the efficiencies. Set a 12-month stretch goal. Um, And what I mean by a stretch goal is something you think will take 15 months to achieve. And then the next thing you will do is to establish two quarterly projects to get to that goal. So, for instance, when my book came out, you know, I wanted to get known so the book would sell. So I had to look for speaking engagements. That had to be a top priority. And I had to interview. Let's let's take that. So those are two pretty big projects as opposed to, you know, sending letters out or, you know, the minutiae that you do. So set those two-month quarterly projects. And then plan three monthly projects at a time to achieve a quarterly project. And here are the time efficiencies. And this is actually taking IBM tactic and modifying it to what you do. List your on Sunday evening, list your top weekly projects that you must complete the following week. And that way the following weekend you'll be able to enjoy it instead of fretting and working. And then on on the evening when you're just finishing up work because business is freshest in your mind, write the top things you must accomplish the next day. And this way, you're always going to have a running list of all the must-dos. And you you eliminate wasting time trying to remember what it is, and you're going to do them in the right order. And uh, this is a lead into the goal accelerators. By the way, Tiffany, as a gift for having me as a guest, I have this postcard that I'm holding in my hand. It's laminated. 
but it's in a PDF file, and I'd be happy to email it for you to share with your listeners today if you like. Oh, that would be wonderful. We'll also post that on the Executive Girlfriends Group Cubla site so that um, those who weren't able to be here today can access that information. Thank okay. you. Yeah, be happy to do that. So here are the goal accelerators, and then I'll tell you how I know that this works. Um, prioritize the task by your biggest money-making activity first and relating to your vision. Most people make the error, and sometimes I fall into this, oh, just get email out of the way, and then you get so engrossed with email, before you know it, three, three uh, hours are gone. So work on your bigger projects first. Set a time limit, you know, maybe an hour or two hours, depending on what else you need to do that day. Two daily tasks must relate to your stretch goal, and I call this your daily business vitamins. It's really going to supercharge your business. Let me repeat that. Two daily tasks must relate to your stretch goal. And this next point is another huge accelerator. Every six months, review what worked and what did not work. And then substitute a new project for what did not work and plug that in. Celebrate what did work. And finally, every six months, reset your 12-month stretch goal. Now, I promise to tell you how I know this works because when I was uh, a younger entrepreneur, you know, not with much experience, people were kind of looking down their nose at me because when I go networking, I just ask people all their secrets to success. And, you know, they're so busy talking that I get all of this great advice and implement it. But I do it through this laser goal-setting system that I spelled out. And uh, within a year, people started coming up to me and saying, my goodness, your business is moving at lightning speed, always followed by how did you do it. So uh, it really does work wonders. I have very little wasted time. In fact, sometimes I say I feel like a, a machine, but I get an awful lot done in a day. So I, I will send this to you. How do you manage this information? Do you find yourself more of um, keeping a notebook or putting it into a calendar diary? Well, I'll, I'll tell you another hint. Um, a number of years ago, I actually had a computer smoke, literally, and I, I lost an awful lot of information. So I learned to have an online calendar as well as a manual backup calendar. And I keep the important appointments in, in my day timer and the must-dos on the day timer. And that's open on my desk. And so I always know at all times what absolutely has to get done. And that's how I manage it. Hmm. You have okay. to understand I'm very goal-oriented. And over the years, I've systematized this. It just takes a little practice, and everyone else can do this too. Wow, my mind is spinning with lots of new ideas on that. Um, let's jump ahead and talk a little bit. You mentioned earlier managing management and managing your career. What are your suggestions managing your management? That's my favorite. One company, it was actually the best out of all of them. He, um, They would come up with paperwork, you know, you're trying to close a big sale, and then they come and interrupt you, you've got to drop everything and take care of this paperwork. 
or they'd give you a deadline, you know, in the next two weeks I need this. And I knew myself that if I put it on my desk and waited till the deadline like everybody else did, I, I, I would forget about it and not do it. And then, you know, it, you'd get their wrath. And that's what happened to most of the sales staff. Instead, I quickly learned, I would say, would you please stand right here for a couple of minutes? And they'd say, sure, why? And I'd start filling it out on the spot and hand it right back to them. Their mouth would drop, drop open. Oh, and, uh, yeah, and so I became the favorite of every sales office because that's what I did. You, Your management is just like a client. You have to know what's important to them, get inside their head, and it's like catering to an ego or whatever the case may be. Do what's important to them, and then when you need a favor, they will be glad to grant it. And that's what always happened. In fact, the funniest thing occurred. I went to headquarters for a meeting one day, and there was a woman sitting by herself, and we were early, so I went over to introduce myself. And I said, hi, I'm Eleanor Stutz. And she said, what? I thought that was a made-up name. And I said, what are you talking about? I thought she'd lost her marbles. So it turned out that my manager used to go there frequently and used to brag about all the wonderful things I did. And so she thought that was a name he made up just to get a point across. Oh, interesting. (laughs) Yeah, pretty funny. So, yeah, managers loved me because I always catered to them. And then I knew I I could get the favors that I needed. That sounds incredibly important. One of my favorite chapters is um, Selling Tinkerbell. Um, And I I can't even lay the foundation for that, so it's so creative. Would would you share with us how you came to sell Tinkerbell? Yes, uh, especially when you start your own business, It's the lack of confidence that hurts most entrepreneurs. But when you're in sales and you're not quite certain about what you're selling versus the competitors, you still have to have 100% confidence. And I started thinking back as I was writing the book about how as children we all went to see the movie Peter Pan. And at one point there was somebody in the movie saying, Tinkerbell is dying. Children, if you clap your hands, Tinkerbell will come alive. And then, you know, the kids in the movie would start clapping, and the voice would say, no, no, you've got to clap louder, louder, and that way she'll have her full strength. And every kid in the audience is clapping as hard as they possibly can, and suddenly Tinkerbell gets up and flies. Well, it's that same belief that you have to have in whatever it is that you're selling because when you have that strong belief and people can see it comes from within that's what's going to build the trust and confidence in you people can see whether you really don't believe in what you're selling or if you have strong faith in it and then that they'll pick up the clue from your body language facial expressions and everything else as to whether they should proceed with you or not. It's really that important. Mm, that's powerful. It's a, it's a very creative way as well to emphasize that confidence really is what drives your success. It does. There's no doubt about it. And uh, without it, it's really very difficult to find any clients. Tell us about some of the lessons you've encountered and what not to do. 
Well, uh, one of the things that I always stress to people is to watch people around you, how they attempt to sell to you. Um, Number one, I am a firm believer in not using scripts. And I've been in places where they thought a script should be used, and I absolutely refused because I posed the question, can you tell me, in all honesty, that you know two people who think exactly the same? I I think that's impossible because everybody's wired just a little bit differently. So I don't understand how a script could work. And number two, I've, I've seen people, we all know gossip isn't a good idea, but people still tend to do it sometimes, and that can hurt you. The other thing, the biggest thing that I talk about is inconsistencies. People will say that they believe in something or that they will do something, but they don't. The inconsistencies are bad. And the biggest place where people shoot themselves in the foot is the lack of follow-up. It's critical. Uh, Sometimes prospects will drive us crazy with requests, but in my opinion, those are mini tests to see if you'll be there after the sale. And if you deliver on all the things they ask for, they know that you'll be there afterwards should a problem go wrong. And I think you have to look at it that way. Does that make sense to you? It really does, and I think that's a good foundation um, for what you're speaking to. If you want to know what the client is thinking, just ask. Quite often we don't, and we assume what we know what the client's thinking because um, so many people are programmed to follow that script um, versus thinking outside the box and asking the simple question, you know, what can I do for you? Oh, you brought up a great point, and uh, I, I normally say the same thing. First of all, Begin every conversation from the other person's point of view. Number two, in our personal life, we make assumptions all day long, but in your business life, you can't afford to. So if sometimes words have two meanings, you need to clarify. If you don't understand something, it's not an embarrassment. In fact, prospects and clients appreciate you're trying hard to understand them. Ask what they're talking about. They appreciate that, and then let them know you're trying very hard to earn their business. They appreciate that, too. And um, it's very, very important that you always begin every conversation, as I said, from their point of view. So how do you do that? Whether you're networking or you're online or on the phone, you can easily ask, tell me about your business. Or what you like most about it? How did you get into business? But let the other person speak first. And that will give insight as to what's important to them. Ask them questions about what they said so they can see you're truly interested. And then when it's your turn to speak, then you can tailor your response to their interests. Because it's commonality that initiates the interest in purchasing from you. So that is the all-time best technique. Uh, Tell me about your business or what caught your interest to call me or to talk to me. Why did you agree to spend time with me? Something in my letter or on the phone message must have caught your interest. I'd love to know. And then the conversation is on the right path, and it eliminates a lot of BS that you might otherwise encounter. Mm, That sounds like a really um, important technique to manage effective meetings as well. 
Are there any other suggestions you have when you actually are sitting down with a client on the phone or in person? Well, I did learn through the years when you're with clients is to first ask, has anything changed? Again, you're getting into their zone and, you know, what's important to them. And then let them know how you saw the agenda for the meeting going, what topics you'd like to speak about, and ask if there were any other points that they would like to speak about. Or you might say, uh, in terms of our previous conversation, it seemed to me that these are the topics. Is that correct, or would you like to make any adjustments? And that way they know what they're in for and uh, how you should proceed. And then as you go down the items, just say, always tell them whatever you're doing is a working document and you're very happy to make adjustments as you go along. And at the end, recap the highlights that's really important to them. And one one tip, I don't know if most people know this, it makes a huge difference in the percentage of sales that you will get, is to take notes in their vocabulary, don't translate it into yours. So I'm not talking about mirroring them 100%, but when you get the high points of what's important to them, that should be in their vocabulary because then that's what's going to go in your proposal. And it becomes much more difficult for them to say no when they see you captured their language, what's important to them, and uh, they really have a hard time turning it down, and it does greatly increase the percentage for getting the sale. And that's such a challenging um, thing for so many people who are in a sales type of role. You know, they're great relationships. They deliver a fabulous proposal. They've expanded the client's horizons, but they're just lacking in that technique to actually close the sale. Tell us your thoughts on how to be successful and to close the sale naturally. All right. Well, if you had, you know, conducted your meeting well and you recapped all the high po- the challenges and what they're trying to accomplish and you write a proposal that is precisely what they told you, and it's all facts. Uh, I was told a long time ago, no fluff, I just want the facts. So I learned to bulletize each section with just the facts as they were relayed to me. And then finally, this is what I can do for you. And what what I also learned to do is to have two to three packages so that they can choose, because if you give one choice, it's yes or no, and you only have a 50% chance of getting the sale. If you give two choices, then it's 66 and two-thirds, and if you give three choices, you have a 75% chance of getting a sale. Of course, the other option is they can go with a competitor or do nothing. But um, if it's a simple sale, I suggest you have three choices, and if it's more complex, more line items, too, and do do side-by-side packages, so one one item at a time on a line, and then let them compare. So as you're going through your proposal and asking, do you have any comments, any changes you wish to make? Does this capture what we spoke about? Is this what you're looking for? And they keep saying yes, yes, yes. When you get to the package section, All you need to do with a big smile on your face is ask, which package would you like? And then sit back confidently with a smile on your face and not say a word. And let them be on the hot seat for a little bit. So Ah. that's my technique. I like that. 
that's really uh, it puts the ball in their court, but it shows that you're closing the business and you're moving forward as a business partner. Yeah, they see that you were serious. Trust me, uh, they for a long time because I was so friendly on appointments and I was just like a good old friend. You know, they didn't apparently take me seriously, but when I come in with a proposal, their jaw drops open because they see it's serious and I expect the business. And uh, most often very impressed with what I put together in the proposal and some creative ideas that go into, you know, the higher priced packages. And then, um, again, that greatly increases the odds for getting the sale. But they say if you keep talking through it, you don't let people rest and have a chance to contemplate what fits them best, you're going to lose the sale. You have to be quiet, even if it's painful. And then finally, if they can't decide, a very good sentence to add in is, it doesn't matter to me which package you take. I would just love the opportunity to prove myself to you that we can deliver everything you desire. And then we can move on from there to develop our long-term relationship. When you add all that in, your chances go sky high. Mm. That's really, really powerful advice. I, I like your point about that you illustrate to the prospect that um, you are serious and you expect the business because um, that's just tremendous confidence. It is. And then, uh, yeah, and encourages them to buy into whatever it is that you're offering. And they, they can see from the entire document that you're very trustworthy. People buy buy you and they have to have the trust and confidence in you to deliver on everything that they're looking for. And this document is a way of delivering it. Wow, that's really powerful advice. The last part of your book talks about words of wisdom for multimillionaire entrepreneurs. Um, it's quite a collection you've got here. Which one really stands out as your favorite? Well, you know, I have to tell you that when I was first starting out, they said don't start a business unless you're passionate about it. To tell you the truth, being a sales trainer wasn't exactly what I wanted to do, but that's the only talent I had, in my opinion. And so I went with it. I was kind of burned out on sales at that point in time. But as I started developing a product line and networking with people, it became fun. I wasn't, you know, by myself. And over the years, I did become very passionate about it. And I saw as I became more excited about what I was doing, more and more people became attracted to my business and then asked for the coaching or the training or whatever the case may be. So I I think passion is key. And... Also, working to educate yourself. It's being in business means a continual education. I just wrote a blog today about the one strategy that works to companies' detriment is complacency. And I pointed out some very big companies that went under or are in the process of going under or losing market share because they didn't change with the times. This past year, I switched heavily to the internet, to social media. And my peers were laughing at me that it's a ridiculous waste of time. Who cares if somebody ate a peanut butter sandwich? Well, obviously, no one really cares. But when you learn how to adapt it, 
to relationship building and heart-based selling, the opportunities that have come my way are absolutely incredible. So I would say keep being an early adapter of new ideas and really, really look at your goals, your vision, and what can what adjustments can you make to get there more quickly. Uh, that That's important to me. So I hope that answered your question, Tiffany. Oh, it certainly does. And I'd love to open it up at this point. I've taken everyone off of mute um, so that the others on the call can ask their questions. Is there anyone that wants to start us off? Eleanor, it's Michelle Decker. Uh, When you talk about using social media uh, to to support the the heart-based selling, can you give me some ideas of what you're referring to? Because I'm I'm relatively new to the whole concept of social media, and I want to draw upon the tool set in my relationship management. So I'm looking for ideas on how you use it and what some things I might think about. Absolutely. I want you to know that I'm absolutely astounded as to the opportunities that came my way from uh, using it, uh, mainly on Twitter. And first of all, what I learned, I took a year-long course. On Twitter, you have an identification. So for me, I'm at Smooth Sale. And you want people to repeat what you say, so you need a few extra characters for that. So for me, I have to deduct 15 characters from the 140 that you're allowed. So in 125 characters, I give out samples of advice. So I liken it to when you go to an ice cream store and there's a new flavor, you ask for a little tiny sample because if you don't like it, you don't want to purchase a huge scoop and then throw it out, right? So it's the same thing with attracting people to what you do. You give out in that those 125 characters or so pieces of advice of what you see important as a service provider in your industry, what other people should think about. And you will be amazed at the people that are attracted to you. Um, from doing this, I have a big splash page about me and my business on an Australian motivational site with well-known speakers. I have been asked to contribute to a number of books and to be interviewed for a number of conventions. Uh, The list goes on. It's really incredible just by giving away advice. And the same just as I talk about holding out a helping hand for others, Do the same. When you see quotes that you like, retweet those. Or if you hear something of someone else, uh, replay that. Recommend other people, their services, if you believe in them. And all of this is going to build up an attraction. And the thing to do on Twitter is to get somebody to help you to automate it so it isn't all time-consuming. There's a site called socialumph.com. And you can schedule your tweets. And I highly recommend doing that. I happen to be with a community called Whispering Energy where they automated it all with technology, so it's a big relief. But Twitter does wonders. And then I set up a group on Facebook, and the two are connected, which helps tremendously as well. And I once a week I give out a message on Facebook to all my members uh, similar to a blog, but a little more personal. 
and I get very nice response from that, too. Does that answer your question? It does. Thank you very much. Right, good luck with it. If you have any uh, questions, please feel free, anybody on this call today, feel free to email me, Eleanor at smoothsale.net, or call me, and I'm happy to answer your questions. Thank you, Eleanor. Is there anyone else that has a question for Eleanor? Nope. Okay. Well, Eleanor, if you wouldn't mind again repeating your um, email, your phone number, and uh, again, you're the author of Good Girls Do Get the Sale. Okay, thank you. It's Nice Girls Do Get the Sale, Relationship nice Building That Gets Results, published by Sourcebooks, and they are in Chicago, and uh, Naperville, I should say, Illinois. And my email is Eleanor, E-L-I-N-O-R, at smoothsale.net, and that's S-M-O-O-T-H, S-A-L-E dot net. And my phone is 800-704-1499. And I'll repeat that. It's 800-704-1499. And I do welcome all of your questions. They help me understand uh, what you and other people in your similar situation need. And... uh, I, I just love answering the questions, and I will send that PDF with the goal acceleration system, and my contact information is on there as well. Excellent. Okay. Well, the next part of our call, we um, go around and speak with everyone about um, something um, relevant to their week. So I'm going to take this off recording. And, Eleanor, you're welcome to stay with us and enjoy the rest of the call. Or if you need to uh, move on, that's fine as well. Um, I'll be happy to stay on. Okay, great. Let me take it off the recording because this is something that we've said between us girls stays between us girls. Hold on one second. <laughs> With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 